0: Well hello, I'm, uh, my name is Rick Collins, I'm the president of Press On Missions, a video you just watched, and I wanted to show that to you this morning, because you have a vested interest in all that goes on on these uh, projects that we do. Uh, Retta, uh partners with Press On Missions, and so I wanted to brag a little bit on you today and just give you a quick fruit report of what happened in 2018. Uh, this last year we did... Uh, 10 evangelistic camps, uh, nine of them were in Cuba, and one of them was in Bolivia. I go ahead and hit that next slide there. And um, wanted to just kind of gives you a, a report of I don't know if you can read that or not, but we took four teams in to establish and the rest were established by churches that we had already trained. and they conducted the camps. And you'll see there are 627 uh, lost teens who came, and out of that 291 uh, accepted the Lord as their Savior. And uh, uh, you saw in the video that we make a yeah, it's great, great percentage of, uh, it's kind of hard to read even for me up here, uh, 46% of the lost kids who came uh, accepted the Lord. So we're seeing some great results, and our model is we try to get these Christian kids to bring their lost friends to camp. Just one, we say, bring one lost friend. And we do it at the local church. And we're able to send these kids to camp for about three to five dollars. So it's a lot of bang for a buck, and you have a part in that. But in addition to that, we did what we called eight pay it forward camps. And that's where we go into a camp and we help them. And then we leave the materials and say, next year we want you to do this with your trained leaders to assist your church. So we're seeing the multiplication take place As a result of that, and they're beginning to teach others to fish. And so instead of us having to go back in with a team to do it, they're taking their trained leaders and do it. In addition to that, we had 13 discipleship retreats that we helped support, and we're trying to get the kids who make decision in these e-camps to go to these discipleship retreats. And have a a time to grow in the Lord and then also we did four youth ministry retreats last year we went in trying to equip these leaders because our our vision is to reach grow equip and multiply and that is your fruit okay I don't know if you knew that or not but you have a part in all that God's doing through press on missions and I want to thank you for the support and the the prayers that you've given to me in my ministry And uh, I'm excited that your church still has that heart for missions, because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about missions. And I define missions in two ways. One is being intentional in sharing the gospel with the lost world. And then being willing to be Jesus with skin on by ministering those in need. We have to go and we have to tell. And that's missions, of sharing the gospel. But sometimes missions is also, if there's a need in somebody's life, just going and being there for them and helping them whatever need that they may have. And so I believe as we minister people in their area of need, they're a little bit more receptive to the gospel we have. And I believe that missions takes place everywhere you are and everywhere you go. And we all have mission fields in our life. Some of your greatest mission fields is your workplace. Okay? Some of y'all sit next to somebody in a little cubicle and and you just it's just really hard to work with them because they're hard people and and that's your mission field. And you need to see it like that. Some of your greatest mission fields is is your neighborhood. That person next door that you're always clashing with. God may be putting them need to put them on your heart that that's your mission field. You don't have to go over to Cuba with me to have a mission field. Each one of us has a mission field. Some of you, it's your friends. You have some friends who are a little rough around the edges, and you're trying to reach them, and that's your mission field. And let's face it, some of you, your mission field is your family. Okay? Can you relate? Sometimes the hardest people to reach are those who know us the best our families you say rick i just can't they just won't listen to me they don't get it and they don't give me time they you know sometimes it's hard to miss those people who know our weaknesses and they see that and we need to let them know that christians aren't perfect we're just forgiven and uh i that's really nothing new under the sun because I found these two verses in Scripture that kind of give me comfort. In John chapter 7, uh, John chapter 7 verse 5, it says this. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. That's Jesus. Even his own brothers didn't believe in him. How sad is that? We know later on some of them did because James, brother Jesus, you know, uh, became a Christian and was a, a great uh, a disciple uh, there's another verse in Mark chapter 3, verse 21. It says, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he's out of his mind. You ever read that before? When Jesus started his ministry and started calling out disciples, his own family said, "We got, he's, he's lost it, he's finally snapped, let's go get him. And so, we need to understand if Jesus faced those challenges... We're gonna face those challenges, so be encouraged today that this is nothing new, that those family members who don't get it, that they're hard for us to reach. There's a reason for that. That's just the way it is. And Jesus experienced the same thing, so he can he can empathize with us. And so your greatest mission field may be your family. Okay, you need to be thinking in those terms of God help me to reach that and. Your mission field is on the heart of God. Did you catch that? Your mission field, whatever it is, you define what it is, is on the heart of God, and he wants to use you to make an impact. He wants to use your influence. He wants to use you to share the gospel. Now, I I don't understand God sometimes, and... If God wanted to, he could rip open the sky, he could stick his head down here, and he could just tell it like it is, and people would listen. But that's not how he chose to do it. He chose to use you, and he chose to use me. And it's not a coincidence that that person who needs Jesus is in your sphere of influence. He's placed you there strategically to reach them with the gospel and to love them and to minister to them, okay? Okay? Not to get frustrated with them, not to write them off, but to love them, to minister to them, and to reach out to them with the gospel of Jesus. He also calls us to go to the world. He calls some people out to go to other countries, like me, to other, other people groups. And in that case, you have really three ways to respond to that, okay? Some of you can go. Okay, some of you can actually are able financially to go, you're able physically to go, you have the heart to go, and some of you can go to other places in the world where people are on God's heart. All of you can pray, all of you can pray, and I'm going to share with you in a minute uh, some strength in prayer. I, I call prayer flexing God's muscles, okay? Prayer is flexing God's muscles in another person's behalf. And so I, I count on your prayers when I go into a communist country to minister and do the work of God. And I'm counting on you to flex God's muscles on my behalf. And I've seen it over and over again that God shows up. And he does something because his people are praying. And then another role is to give. Some of you are in a position to give. And uh, it's important to give to missions and to be sacrificial in that giving. Now, I'm not going to take up an offering here. Your church gives through your your budget to our ministry so we can go and share. And everybody can give something. Okay? The widow gave the mite. And, uh, you know, in, in my case, $3 for the less than the cost of a Starbucks coffee, I can send the kid to camp. Okay? And everybody can sacrifice a Starbucks a month for those kind of things. And so your money does make a difference. This, even if it seems insignificant to you, you can give and it's going God will multiply that like he always does. What I do and what other do uh, other missionaries do requires ministry partnership. So that going, giving and praying is very very important. And this morning I want to I want to talk to you on, on some truths that I have learned in missions I want that, that I think will uh, make an impact on you. The first truth is this. I believe missions is on the heart of God, and he wants missions to be on your heart. Listen to what it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone come to repentance. You see, the lost are on the Lord's heart. He wants everyone to come to know him. And he wants to use us as his instruments to reach out to them. His command is pretty clear. Go make disciples. And part of making a disciple, they got to know the Lord as their Savior before they can be discipled. And so we need to go. And the missions is on his heart. And as a church, we can't wait for people to come to us. We can't put up. I saw you all had two really nice signs since I've been here. And they're beautiful. Okay. But you know what? The sign is not going to draw people to this church, okay? You're going to draw. God's Spirit's going to draw, but he's going to use you to invite people and draw people. We've got to go to get them here, but we have to go into the world to whatever your mission field is. You need to go there and take the gospel and the truth of the Lord. I believe that a, uh, a missions helps a church stay outward focused. Churches implode. They implode. When they're inward focused. Okay? When all you think about is what's good for you, your church is going to implode. But if you want your church to grow and thrive, look outwards. Look out. Be involved in missions. And I'm great grateful that this church has had a heart for missions and has a heart for missions. I know when my wife and I were here when she was serving as children's minister, we were here two and a half years or so, and and y'all had an active missions committee back then. And I was so grateful that y'all had, um, had that, that desire to look at what you can do beyond the four walls of this church. And I believe that, that your church, great churches make missions a priority. Sharing the gospel with Jesus, of Jesus everywhere you go. So, missions is on the heart of God. The second truth I see is God opens doors for missions. In John 5, 17, it says, Jesus says this, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. You see, we don't have to manufacture anything. Okay, we don't have to initiate anything. God's already doing it. He's already out there working. He's already out there softening hearts. And let me give you a little hint. When you hear somebody ask a spiritual question, it's god working. Because the enemy doesn't want somebody asking spiritual questions. They don't want them. He, he's afraid they might discover the truth, so he tries to get them to back away from that. But when somebody starts asking a spiritual question, even if, if, if it's in an argumentative state, God's stirring their hearts. Okay, Every morning when you wake up, kind of walk up and go, God, where are you at? Where are you working? You know, when you're at your, at your office, look for him. He's working. He's doing something. And you have to have sensitive, have sensitive spiritual eyes to see what he's doing. doing in the hearts and life of those in your world. Uh, he does what I call, he orchestrates what I call Jesus' crossings. These are connection points. Connection points, okay? He's working, and you're walking along your normal life. And you know what he's doing? He's got the hand of someone, he's drawing... To cross path with you so that you make the connection point. So Jesus crossing and he's doing it. And half the time we miss it because we're not sensitive to the fact that he's working. We're not sensitive to the fact that we have mission fields. We're not sensitive to the fact that he wants to use us. Not your preacher. Not the missionaries coming to talk to you. He wants to use you. You know, I... You got people in your life that wouldn't get. They find out I'm a preacher. They, you know, it's it's over. They're not going to give me time of day, but they will you, because you have the relationship. the Jesus crossings. Be sensitive to Jesus crossings in your life. God wants to use you to reach the lost these places in your life. The third truth I see is this: God is in the process of preparing and equipping us for missions. Let me show you a little bit about the call in my life. some of my background, I served for 24 years as a youth pastor in the local church, and during that time, God opened up an opportunity for me to serve for about five years as a recreation director for a camp, and so I did that for many, many years. I was, uh, when I was in Colorado, I had the opportunity, God opened up opportunity for me to direct the state youth camp. And I'm very organized, and I see the big pictures, so the opportunity was there, and I said, I'll do it. And so I stepped in and, and gave direction, and the churches were blessed because of my organizational skills. I was able to pull everybody together. When I moved down south to Houston, I became the director of what's called the Greater Houston Camp Association. And during that time, we had, for 16 years, we'd have about... Uh, 800 kids come and about 16 different churches come and and again, I could see the big picture and I pulled it again So God began to use me in that way and all those as I was a youth pastor. I was also um, Every year I would take my kids It was real important for them to go to camp because at camp they we poured God's truth into them But I loved to take them on mission trip because we would take them and God would squeeze them out and they kind of went hand in hand fast forward several years I get to go to Cuba in 2002 for the first time and went back in 2003, and I'm standing on top of this hill out in the country, and the pastor told me that one of the farmers had wanted to deed, as much as he can to a communist country, some of his land to the Baptist convention so they would one day be able to put a youth camp out there. Well, that resonated with me because I'm a youth minister, and I... Being a youth minister and having done all those camps, I'm standing on top of this hill and I'm looking down and I can envision what, if I was directing the camp, I would envision what I would do. Oh, I'd put over there, it could be the sports field. Oh, right there, we could carve out an amphitheater and we'd have the worship there, all the shade trees. Smoke, and I'm, I'm envisioning all that's going on because that's my background. That's how God had wired me and he had put opportunities in my life. As I'm sitting there thinking about, you know, God, I can't wait to see what you do in 20, 30, 40 years when the political climate changes in this country. I can't wait to see what you do out here in this part of the country. As I'm thinking that, I hear, I feel this tap on my heart. And God said, Rick, I don't want to wait 30 years. I want you to do something in this area next year. Say what? I want you to do something in this area of the country next year. And of course, runs through my mind, I'm, I've got the Moses syndrome. I'm going, okay, God, time out, time out. Um, if you haven't noticed, there's no camp venue out here. There's no trained leadership there's no. Where am I going to get the supplies? It's not like it's a Walmart over here and go buy something. Um, God, I, also I'm, I'm in a communist country. <laughs> oh, and by the way, God, <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. God said, no, but I do. And all I can hear him say is, "Do you think?" I've been. training you up all these years as a youth minister and all the training you've had as a camp director and recreation director all these years for your glory. That was for my glory. Get it done. Get it done. And I remember going home and sharing that with Linda and sharing that with my friends and sharing it with the local pastor, what God had put in my heart. And and I remember the pastor going, this is great! How do we do it? (laughs) I have no idea how we do that. And so we went home and prayed and we looked at the obstacles and we came up with a plan. And out of that plan, what you saw a while ago is the end result. It was a defining moment in my ministry, in my life. When God said, Rick, I want you to do this. And in my eyes, it was impossible. In my eyes, he had the wrong person pegged. But had I said no at that moment, more than likely, all the results you saw on the screen today wouldn't have happened. See when God speaks, He equips. He's equipping you, in how you're wired, to do uniquely and authentically what He wants you to do. My dad was a Dallas police officer, and I remember when I was little, he would take me down to uh, he would take me downtown Dallas, and and he would uh, when I was little just. Walked me around, got me free hot dogs, got me in the movies, you know, all the stuff, because he was working down in the downtown district. And I'll never forget, going down there, there was an a, a old black man who would stand on, literally like a soapbox, and he would stand on him on the street corner, and he had a Bible in his hand, and he was just preaching up a storm, people walking by. Just preaching, nobody was listening to him, he was just giving it, you know, just telling them the truth. And I remember when I felt called to ministry, I felt God was going to ask me to do that. And I didn't want to do that. (laughs) That was my idea of what God was going to have me do. Do something that was totally outside who I was. And what I had to learn is God wires me for what he has for me. And what I do now, I can honestly say I'm wired for and I'm gifted for and I'm passionate about. Because he prepared me for that. And the same thing for you. He has a ministry. He has a mission field for you. And he's prepared you for that. It may be that you are an incredible mechanic and you can fix anything. And God can use that as you're fixing somebody's vehicle. You just start talking to him about the Lord. And you've got the connection point because he's given you that ability. I don't know what it is. But you do. What is it you do well? Let God use that because He's preparing each one of us in unique and authentic ways for his glory. Four truth is this when God calls us a mission, he goes before us. We are never alone. And I could tell you story after story of absolute miracles I've seen God work on my behalf. Yeah, I I used to go through Cuban customs. It's kinda it's an adventure. (laughs) I mean, I used to go through very kinda of nervous, like, oh, oh, you know, I'm going to the communist country, I'm taking all this stuff and, and and I'm probably not supposed to have this, won't have a permit. And I used to go through and I knew I had to get it in, but then I just okay, Lord, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. Worst they're gonna do is put me in jail a couple of days and put me on an airplane and send me home. Okay. That's what I'm supposed to do. Now, well, I guess I'll be like Paul and Silas in the jail. I guess. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So in 2010, we went into a little airport on the south side. It was a resort area, and it was only one airplane that goes in a week. And the, the customs agents are usually not Christian because if they know they're Christians, they won't give them that spot in customs okay because it's kind of an anti-god government mindset and so if they know they're a christian they so they up for the job they just don't say i'm a christian but there's several times i've gone through and i have my bible in my backpack and they you know going through they see your backpack and they want to see and they open it up you know and they want to see what you got and and i've had them pull out my bible look at it look me in eye, and say bible I zip it back up. You can go. So they didn't tell me they were a Christian, but when they saw my Bible and they just let me go out check me, I assumed they're probably Christians, and they're probably sympathetic what I'm doing, okay? But I've never had one in all my years ever tell me I'm a Christian. Never. So we're going through this little town, Manzanillo. There's only one plane comes in a week, which means... These customs agents are salivating over any contraband that they can get. I mean, they want to see what you got and they want to take it if they can take it. So I go in and we go through Canada that year and there's long stories, reasons for that, but I won't tell you later. We're the only two, my friend, the only two Americans on the plane. And of course, not only is it contraband, American contraband, woo! (laughs) They're going crazy, we got some Americans here. Let's go see what they got. So I get my stuff. First thing, I come right through the gate. First thing, immediately, they get my passport, Americans. They go, what are you doing here? I was invited by the Baptist Convention to come to a youth ministry conference. I have a religious visa. I have an invitation, and these are my supplies. That's my spill. Guy goes, okay, when you get your stuff, come see me. Okay. So I know the, I know the routine been there enough to know the routine. They're gonna get your stuff, you're gonna go stand in line, a little stainless steel table, once you're turn, you're gonna take it up there, you're gonna put it on the table, they're gonna dump everything out, they're gonna start trying to see what they can take and what you can keep, and you're gonna try to defend what you're taking. I mean, it's just a game, okay? And I know it's, it's them kind of flexing their muscles, like, we're in charge, we're in charge, okay? So I get my stuff, and I walk over, and I'm second in line, standing there, waiting for them to check my stuff. And I see this officer who came up to me before. He's in the back room, and he's going. So I get my stuff, and I go in the office. Empty office. There's a wooden table on the uh, desk in the office. There's nothing on the walls. There's nothing else in the office. And I'm hoping, he have, I'm hoping he doesn't have a rubber hose back there is what I'm hoping, okay? But he says, put your stuff on the table. So he puts his stuff on the table. And he looks me in the eye, and he says, Now tell me what you're doing here again. Go through my spill. I'm invited by the Baptist Convention to come to a youth ministry conference for the Baptist youth ministers. I have a religious visa. I have an invitation from them, and these are my supplies. So he opens up this big 32-inch bag, this stuff full of stuff in there. And I had... Some recreation stuff, and as he's opening it up, it's stuffed in there, so things are popping out. But I had brought in 200 CDs with some Bible studies and things that were going to aid the youth ministers. And that's kind of a no no, because they see multiples of anything, they freak out. And when they see things on a CD or flashlight, they really freak out. Cause they think the Americans are bringing in propaganda to overthrow the government, okay? So they're, they're already skeptical. So he's looking, he opens up this bag, and he's looking down at the bag, and it starts popping out, and then he sees those CDs. And his eyes get real big around, and he's looking at the CDs, and under his breath he says, this is too much. If they see this, they're going to confiscate. And I'm thinking, in that split second, hold it. Aren't you one of them? They're going to confiscate it. And before I could say a word, he looked me in the eye. And he said, I'm a Baptist. And I want to help you. I'm a Baptist, and I want to help you. Not a Christian, but a Baptist Christian. (laughs) And he takes the CDs out, and he unscrews them, and he pulls one out, and he goes, I'm going to give this to the officer, and they're going to check it. And when they bring it back, put it in your backpack. Don't put it back in here. He screws it back, puts them back, and zips it back up. Officer comes in, hands it to him. Officer looking at him like, this is all you can get out of that bag is one CD. So he takes it, takes a minute or two. He goes, checks on the nothing on there, subversive. So he comes back in. He starts to hand it to me. And the officer's doing this, going. He's, he's pointing to my bag, my backpack with his eyes like, I'm well, putting it in the backpack. Don't open that backpack up. So I do. I put it back in there. He zips him back in. says, you may go. When God calls, he goes before us. I just returned three weeks ago from going in. We were doing a retreat for some leaders, and we were expecting 200. And so I had to take a lot of stuff. And I had three bags, actually I had four bags of supplies. And coming through, they marked three of them. So I knew three of them were going to get checked. So I got my team out of the customs area with the things that weren't going to be checked expecting to go through this little routine again and usually okay watch the tax you know it's it's a game and you kinda play so i'm i've got the idea okay god i know you get me through so i'm just trusting you i gotta have these supplies you know what we're doing you know bless us with your presence and influence on these leaders these customs officers so i got my team out within an hour they're out and for the next four hours, they put me in a line with the stainless steel tables. And I can see the stainless steel tables. I could see them checking people's stuff. And I'm standing in line. And for an hour, we're navigating what we're going to do. And I'm trying every trick I know. What's the tax? Oh, we're a church, a sympathy card. I've tried everything. And this guy, he won't, he won't budge. And he looks at me and says, we're going to have to confiscate your stuff. And, of course, my heart just sank, I'm thinking, no, no, what, what's the tax? He won't budge. So he tells me to go get in line. So it's taken me an hour to process to this point. For the next three hours, I'm standing in the line, two people in front of me, and I stood there for three hours and never moved an inch okay? Three hours. Now, you can imagine how frustrated you would get standing in line for three hours going, you are so incompetent. Come on. I mean, it was just people walking around. There was nobody. It was like, nobody, is anybody doing a job here? They had one guy, and I'm just talking to the Lord the whole time, and my team doesn't even know if I'm, if I'm arrested or what's going on. My team doesn't know what happened to me, and I can't communicate with them, and I'm getting really, really frustrated and really, really angry, and Standing for three hours. And then finally, my daughter, who was with me, went outside and went to the customs officers and said, Played the daughter card. My daddy's in there, and he's got type 2 diabetes, and I'm really worried about him. And, you know, just played the daughter card. And so the supervisor came in. Well, after three hours of standing there, there was a shift change. And I saw these new officers walking around. I mean, i already seen them walking around for three hours, so I knew who was there. And I see this lady walking around that says supervisor on the back of her deal. So I'm going, new audience, new audience, okay. So I had somebody save my place. I had played a little charades because I don't speak Spanish. To so have somebody save my place in line and went over, and I started all over on her. You know, I've got their invitation. I've got the visa, these are our stuff. And she, she looks at me before I say anything. She goes, are you Rick Collins? And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> and I look down her page, and there was my name on her page. My daughter had talked to her. And so she took my passport took my invitation letter, disappeared. So I go back in line. I'm standing there. And then she comes back and says, follow me. And took me to the stainless steel table it seems for three hours there was a guy who came in from mexico and he had tons of stuff and both the tables for three hours were stacked up with this stuff as they were taking pictures and they were putting stuff and confiscating all this stuff and for three hours he tied up the tables by this time everything's clear she takes me there they look pull out two or three items say, yeah you go and then it dawned on me what God had just done. He had me standing three hours until the ship changed. Until he could get the person there that could help me. I didn't realize it. I was frustrated. I was angry. But God said, Rick, I got this. Chill out. Just stand there and be quiet. I got this. For three hours, I stood there as God waited. Till his servant came in. Now, I don't know if she was a Christian. but She probably was. Because she was really sympathetic. Came in. Followed me. Had God got. Had I not got behind that person. Would have gone through. And they would have all the stuff. When God calls us to missions. He goes before us guys. He goes before us. When God calls us to missions. He blesses our work. I feel very inadequate. To do what God has called me to do. There are hundreds and hundreds of other people way more qualified than I am. And I have this conversation with the Lord quite often. 90% of what I do is in Spanish-speaking countries, and I don't even speak Spanish. And it just, in this ear and out the other, I've tried, and it just doesn't compute. And I guess God just wants me to rely upon the interpreters he puts in to partner with me. But God is faithful. What I have discovered... Is God is more concerned with my availability than my ability. Did you catch that? Did you just catch that? God is more concerned with your availability than your ability. So don't throw the old, I'm not, I can't do this, I'm not able, God, because that's not going to fly with him. He's saying You don't have to. You just be available and I got, I'll, I'll take care of the rest of it. God is also, he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Get that? He doesn't call the qualified. I don't feel qualified. That's okay. Because he he qualifies you if he calls you. He'll take care of it. When Jesus' crossing comes your way, take action on what the Holy Spirit is leading you to say and do. God blesses his work. Since 2004, we've seen thousands of teenagers accept Jesus as a result of these e-camps in Cuba because God blesses his work. We've seen hundreds of youth minister leaders trained and encouraged because God blesses his work. We've seen last year alone eight churches take the challenge to take their trained leaders and the materials that we left them, and go and help a sister church establish an evangelistic camp for the community. Why? Because God blesses His work. God's the one stirring hearts for those things to happen. Truth number six: When God calls us to missions, He supplies our every need. In Philippians 4:19, it says, "My God will supply all your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus." He supplies everything. You know, when God called me out to do this, it, uh, it was a, a great challenge. I, I hesitated because I was faced with the task of raising my support and uh, having to be dependent. You know, it's, it's nice when you get a paycheck coming in that's secure every, every month, and that would mean I had to step away from that, and it was a hard thing for me to get over. Um, I was taught growing up you don't ask for anything. You know, the old mindset of, you know, uh, my dad taught me, you know, you, you take care of you and your family and you don't ask for anything. And this has caused me just to have to do the opposite. And I had to get over that. But what I found is when God calls, he provides. And if your greatest need is resources, he will provide. If your greatest need is courage, he will provide. If your greatest need is opportunities, He will provide. If your greatest need is strength and stamina, and sometimes I find that (laughs) being my age, getting out there running around with those kids, I'm going, how do you do it? And I'm going, because my greatest need is strength and stamina, and God provides. If your greatest need is Jesus' crossings in your life, He will provide whatever you need to be an instrument in his hands to reach the loss and ministers in his name. God will provide. He just will. Talking to my brother today about his daughter who's facing possibly having to raise some funds to do ministry. And I just want to encourage you. God will provide. If that's what he calls her to do, he will provide for that. My challenge to you is go and share the good news. Be sensitive to Jesus' crossings in your life. Every day, God, let me see you working. Bring about a Jesus crossing in my life and let me know when you bring somebody across my path that you want to use me to speak your truth or minister in your name. Take action as the Holy Spirit leads you when those crossings appear. Now, I don't know what to say. But that's okay. Jesus said, when you're brought before the magistrates one day and you stand there, don't worry about what you're going to say because the Spirit will speak through you. He will. He'll give you the words to say that they need to hear when you're in tune with Him and you're His instrument. He'll do the talking. Look for God working. Be on mission every day, not just on Sunday. Every day when you go to work or you go to school or wherever it is you go, be on mission. Be on mission. Be ready to share the gospel with the lost in your life. And I want to give you a tool. This is the greatest tool that we have. But I don't know too many people who keep that in your back pocket and carry that around. You know, some of y'all have your smartphones, and that's a great little tool. But there's nothing like having it in your heart and your mind. And I want to show you, everybody do this. Give me a high five here. Everybody get this right, right? Everybody got a hand? If you got a hand, you got the gospel. All right, you ready? I'm going to teach you how to share the gospel on your hand so you don't have to have your Bible. You don't have to have your smartphone. The gospel is so simple. Jesus said, it's like a child's got to be able to, child to come to me. It's not complex. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah, great, good. Good news. God offered. Jesus loves you and He offers you an abundant life. John 10:10 10, 10 tells us that. I came that you might have life. And you have it abundantly. God loves you. Some good news for you. I got good news for you. Okay? Now, when I'm pointing, I'm pointing at you. Who am I pointing back at me three times over? Okay? Pointing one at you, but it's the three coming back to me. And that, the point on that is, we are all sinners. We're all sinners. And uh, uh, Romans three twenty three For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have a problem. God loves us. He's got an abundant life, but we've got a problem. We're sinners. And sinners separate us from a holy God. But the central truth Middle finger, the central truth of the gospel is Jesus paid it all. He paid everything we need. Romans 5.8, For God demonstrates his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Jesus is God's provision. We're separated, but Jesus came, and he died for us on the cross. It's the central truth of the whole gospel, the whole Bible, is Jesus. Is God's answer. He's a solution for us. And then we have the ring finger here. And the ring finger involves a relationship. The relationship is he must be our Savior and he must be our Lord. If you confess Jesus with your mouth, you confess Jesus with your mouth that he's Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. You must have a relationship with him as your Savior, and you must have a relationship with him as a Lord. And that word Lord means boss, saying, God, you have a right to come and have an impact in my life and direct my actions the relationship but then we have a little finger here and it just requires just a little bit of faith just a little bit of faith and that's a free gift by God's grace it's a free gift it's not something we can earn and we find it in Ephesians 2 8 9 just by grace you've been saved not of yourself is a gift of God that no one can boast just a little bit of faith. You don't have to be able to prove it on paper. Now, I don't understand how you can flip that light switch and everything comes on, but it happens. And people will just need to know that I can't tangibly prove everything to you, but I've got to have faith that Jesus is who He says He is. So I'll, my gift to you today is a challenge to you to be on mission. To go out and go after the people in your life, be on mission, be sensitive to Jesus' crossings in your life, be used by him in authentic ways, in the way that he's wired you in your mission field, and make an impact. I also have created these little cards that have the five fingers, the five truths, there's on the table over here in the corner and a table over here in the corner. I challenge you to get one. You can learn that in five minutes, okay? And the gospel is always with you, and it's so simple, okay? Good news. God loves me. I'm a sinner. Christ died for me. I must have him ask me to be my Savior, step out of heaven into my life and be my Lord, and I've got to have faith. Simple. Simple truth of the gospel. I'm going to ask you to bow your head for it with me, if you will. This morning, I know that I've spoken mostly to Christians. And I'm going to ask our ushers to come down. I mean, our greeters, um, our counselors to be down front here. And this morning, there's two-fold invitation for you. <coughs> First one is to those who do not know the Lord. Maybe you stepped into this place today, and you think you just randomly stepped here and came here, but that's not what happened. God drew you. This... Is a Jesus crossing in your life. God brought you here. He loves you so much. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to know his truth. And he's drawn you to this place today to hear the truth of his gospel. That there's good news for you. Yes, you're a sinner separated from him. But he sent his son, Jesus, as your atonement. And you must receive him into your life and confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart that he says who he is, who he is. And have faith in that. And maybe today it's your day to come and confess that. There'll be a counselor down front here that can pray with you and you can call upon his name, ask him to step out of heaven into your life. That invitation is for you today in just a moment. The second invitation is for Christians. Maybe you have been really lame at being a missionary in your mission field. You've written off people in your work. You've written off people in your family. You've written off your neighbors as untouchable and never reachable. But let me tell you, God has long arms. And God is working. And I ask you to pray that He would allow you to be part of His work, that you would have a new realization of the mission field that he has placed around you and how he wants to use you your abilities your gifts your talents how he's wired you to be authentic to share the love of Jesus with those around you in your mission field and also how you can minister to their needs and love on them and be Jesus with skin on with him So maybe right where you are, you just take just a moment just to pray and ask God to renew you. And it may be what you need to do can't be done where you're sitting. Maybe you can. Maybe you can right where you're sitting, you can do that. But maybe God impels upon you just to come to this altar. That's between you and the Lord. So the altar is also available to you along with the counselors down front. So I'm going to ask you to join me in standing. And as the uh, praise band sings, you make decision God puts on your heart